Hi there! Welcome to a brand new episode of Stories That Made Us. This week's tale is a continuation of the story of Kulik and Olwen that we started with in the episode last week. Check the previous episode out if you haven't done so already. But to recap briefly, in the previous week, we spoke of the birth of Kulik, the son of Kilid, the son of Kelidon, and by Guladed, the daughter of Prince Anlord. Kilwick lost his mother to sickness upon birth and was brought up by the maidens of his father's court. His father, King Kilid, had promised his dying wife Guladed upon her deathbed to not take another wife until there appeared two briar blossoms on her grave. After seven years, he finally saw the briar blossoms and sought the hand of the wife of King Dogged as his second wife. Now the new wife, when made aware of the existence of Kilwick, wished to see her stepson and upon confronting him, suggested his hand in marriage to Olwen, the daughter of the deadly giant Yispadadan Pencor. Kilwick had never met Olwen, but his heart immediately pulled toward this maiden, and he vowed to get her hand in marriage. To accomplish this task, Kilwick's father Kilid suggested the young lad should meet with the great King Arthur, his cousin and the lord of the British Isles. Acting upon his father's wishes, Kilwick set out to the court of King Arthur, where the king of all Britain formed a team of brave knights to assist Kilwick in finding and marrying Olwen, the daughter of Yespedadan Pencor. After a long journey, the group of knights led by Sir Kai of the Round Table met with Kustenen, the shepherd, who was the brother of Yespedadan Pencor. The men lived under Kustenen's roof, whilst pleading with his wife to send for Olwen. Kilwick met Olwen for the first time under the roof of this very house, and the beautiful damsel asked the young man to seek out her father and ask for her hand in marriage. She asked him to fulfill whatever quest her father lay upon the men as conditions for the marriage, and in doing so, obtain her hand with the blessing of her father. And so, the men reached the gates of the castle of Yispadadan Pencor, and upon meeting the giant lord of the castle, asked for Olwen's hand in marriage to Kilwick. To this, Pencor said they should come the next day to hear his answer, and the men rose to take leave of the lord of the castle. The story this week continues from here onward. The group of men rose to go forth and return the next day, but as they did so, Yispadadan Pencor seized one of the three poison darts that lay beside him and threw it after them. Bedwer, one of the knights of the expedition, caught this dart and flung it back, piercing Yispadadan Pencor grievously with it through the knee. The giant yelled out, clutching his knee, Pencor shouted, a cursed ungentle son-in-law, truly. I shall ever walk the worse for his rudeness. 
and shall ever be without a cure. This poisoned iron pains me like the bite of a gadfly. Cursed be the smith who forged it, and the anvil whereupon it was wrought. He continued yelling and cursing, while the group made their way out of the castle. That night, the knights led by Sakai took their abode in the house of Kustenin the herdsman. The next day, with the dawn, they arrayed themselves in haste and proceeded to the castle of Yespadadan Penkor once again. Upon entering the hall, they said, Yespadadan Penkor, give us thy daughter in return for her dower and her maiden fee, which we will pay to you and to her two kinswomen likewise. And unless you do so, you shall meet with your death on her account. Yespadad and Penkor turned to the men and said, Her four great-grandmothers and her four great-grandsires are yet alive. It is therefore needful that I take their counsel of this. Be it so, then answered Sir Kai on behalf of the knights. We will return tomorrow. And so, as the knights rose up, Penkor took the second dart that was beside him and cast it after them. And Menwu, the son of Gwyad and the sorcerer of King Arthur, caught it and flung it back at Penkor, wounding him in the center of the chest, so that it came out at the small of his back. A cursed, ungentle son-in-law, truly! screamed Yespedadan Penkor as the men left the hall. The hard iron pains me like the bite of a horse. Cursed be the hearth whereupon it was heated, and the smith who formed it. Whenever I go up a hill, I shall now have a scant in my breath and a pain in my chest, and I shall often loathe my food. The third day the group returned to the palace, and Yespedad and Penkor took the third poison dart and cast it at them. And Kilwick caught it and threw it vigorously, wounding Penkor through the eyeball, so that the dart came out at the back of his head. A cursed, ungentle son-in-law, truly! As long as I remain alive, my eyesight will be the worse. Whenever I go against the wind, my eyes will water, and my head will burn. Cursed be the fire in which it was forged. Like the bite of a mad dog is the stroke of this poisoned iron, yelled Yespedad and Penkor. The next day, when the group came again to the palace, they said to the giant Penkor, Shoot not at us any more unless you desire such hurt and harm, and torture as you have, and even more. Gilric then stepped forward and said, Give me your daughter, or receive death because of her. Where is he that seeks my daughter? Come here, where I may see you. Then said Yespedad and Penkor, as his servants placed Kilwick a chair face to face with the giant. Then said Penkor, Is it you that seeks my daughter? It is I, answered Kilwick. 
Pencor then continued, I must have you pledge that you will not do towards me otherwise than is just. And when I have gotten that which I shall name, my daughter, you shall have. I promise you that willingly, said Kilwick. Name what you will. And so, Yespedad and Pencor began his list of demands for Kilwick and the Knights of King Arthur. Now I would be remiss to expect the listeners to remember all of the quests. I will of course remind one and all of the quests as and when they are performed by the brave knights of King Arthur. See you that vast hill there, then said Hespedadan Pencor. I require that it be rooted up, and that the grubbings be burned for manure on the face of the land, and that it be ploughed and sown in one day, and in one day that the grape ripen. And of that harvested wheat I intend to make food and liquor fit for the wedding of you and my daughter. And all this I require done in one day. Know that no man can till or prepare this land, so wild it is, except for Amathion the son of Dawn, and he will not come with you by his own free will, and you will not be able to compel him. Furthermore, you will need Govanan, the son of Dawn, to rid the land of the iron, and he too will not work of his own goodwill, unless commanded by the lawful king. Now to plough the hilly land, you will need the two oxen of Gwilwilid, both yoked together. He too will not give them of his own free will, and you will have to dare compel him. Now the two horned oxen, one of which is beyond, and the other, this side of the peaked mountain, are Ninial and Pebal, whom God turned into oxen on account of their sins, and they are impossible to command. Gilwick heard these terms and replied, It will be easy for me to do this. Do this? replied Yespedadan Pencor. Though you may get this, there is still more that you will not get. Do you see that red tilled ground in the distance? I see it. When first I met the mother of Olwen, nine bushels of flax were thrown therein, and none has yet sprung up. I require to have the flax to sow in the new land that you prepare so that when it grows up, it may make a white wimple for my daughter's head on the day of your wedding. Moreover, the honey that is nine times sweeter than the honey of the virgin swarm, without scum and bees, do I require to make braggot for the wedding feast. And after you get the honey, the vessel of Lwyr, the son of Lwyrion, which is of the utmost value, will be required to hold the string. Of his own free will, you will not get it, nor can you compel him. However, if you are to succeed in these tasks, know that I require the basket of Widino Guaranhir. I require to eat from this basket 
on the night that my daughter becomes your bride. The horn of Gwilgod Gododin too shall I require to serve us with liquor that night. Now these men will not give their prized possession of their own free will, and you will have to dare compel them. Now, just when Sir Kai was about to interject, saying that the list was onerous enough, and that nothing more can be desired for the hand of the beautiful Olwen, Yespedadan Pencor continued. We need music for the wedding night. Fetch the harp of Tiertu to play to us that night. When a man desires that it should play, it does so of itself. And when he desires that it should cease, it ceases automatically. To cook the food, we require the cauldron of Dwirnak Widow, the steward of Odgar, the son of Aid, the king of Ireland, to boil the meat for your marriage fest. This challenge I accept, then said Kilwe, much to the annoyance of his companions. And again, just like earlier, the moment when Sir Kai sought to interject and stop the conversation, Yespedadan Pencor continued with his demands. It is needful for me to wash my head and shave my beard, and I require the task of Yiskatirwin Penbide to shave myself. There is no one in the world that can pluck it out of his head except Odgar, the son of Aid, the king of Ireland. Moreover, I will not trust anyone to keep the task except Gaido of North Britain. Then, I must spread out my hair in order to shave it, and it will never be spread out unless I have the blood of the jet-black sorceress, the daughter of the pure white sorceress from Pennant Govet on the confines of hell. Now, I will not have the blood unless I have it warm, and no vessels will keep warm the blood that is put therein except the bottles of widowed gore, which preserve the heat of the liquid that is put into them in the east, until they arrive at the west. And he will not give them of his own free will, and you will not be able to compel him. Now even if you are to acquire all that I demand, then continued Yespedadan Pencor, there is yet things that you will not get. Some of the attendees in your wedding will desire fresh milk, and it will not be possible to have fresh milk for all, unless we have the bottles of Rinon Rinpanod, wherein no liquor ever turns sour. I'm willing to all these things you sent, then replied Kilwe. Throughout the world, there is not a comb or scissors with which I can arrange my hair on account of its rankness, then continued Yispedadan Pencor, except the comb and the scissors that are between the two years of the wild boar Twirk Shrivet, the son of Tarin. It will be impossible to hunt this wild boar without the dog Judwin, the whelp of Great, the son of Eri. 
Now throughout the world, there is not a leash that can hold this dog except the leash of Kreskant Evin. Throughout the world, there is no collar that will hold the leash except the collar of Kanastir Kanlaw. Moreover, you need the chain of Kilit Kanastir to fasten the collar to the leash. And throughout the world, there is not a huntsman who can hunt with this dog except Mabon, the son of Modron. And Mabon was taken from his mother three nights old, and it is not known where he is now, nor whether he is living or dead. Furthermore, continued Yespedadan Penkor, the father of Olwen, Gwyn Midwin, the horse of Gwedwu, is as swift as the wave. And this animal is to carry Mabon, the son of Modron, to hunt the wild boar. Now you will not get Mabon, for it is not known where he is, unless you find Adwell, his kinsman in blood, the son of Air. For it would be useless to seek for Modron otherwise. Furthermore, Garcelet the Gwydelian is the chief huntsman of Ireland and the wild boar can never be hunted without him. You will require a leash made from the beard of Delis Varwalk, and the leash will be of no avail unless it be plucked from his beard while he is still alive and twitched out with wooden tweezers. While he lives, he will not suffer this to be done to him, and the leash will be of no use should he be dead because it will be brittle. Throughout the world, there is no huntsman that can aid your quest, except for Kinadir Willet, and he is nine times more wild than the wildest beast upon the mountains. Him you will never get, and neither will you ever get my daughter. Furthermore, then continued Yispedadan Penkor, It is not possible to hunt the boar without Gwyn, the son of Nod, whom God has placed over the broods of devils in Anvil, lest they should destroy the present race. There is not a horse in the world that can carry Gwyn to hunt the boar except Du, the horse of Mor. Moreover, let it be known that until Gilenin, the king of France, shall come, the boar cannot be hunted. Ha! Huh, it will be unseemly for him to leave his kingdom for your sake, and he will never come here. The boar can also never be hunted without the son of Alun Diver, and he is well skilled in letting loose the dogs and the boar cannot be hunted unless you get Anet and Akleb. They are as swift as the gale of wind, and they were never let loose upon a beast that they did not kill. The animal cannot also be hunted unless you get the three grandsons of Cledif Diffwil. These three men shall sound the horn, and all the others shall shout so that all will think that the sky is falling to the earth. Finally, 
You cannot slay the boar without the sword of Quirnach, the giant. Of his own free will, he will not give his sword, either for a prize or as a gift, and you will never be able to compel him. Kilwick, then, with the boastfulness and the assurity of a bold youth, stood up and said, All this will be easy for me to accomplish, though you may think that it will not be easy. Yespedad and Pencor looked at the young man, waved his hand, smirked, and said, Maybe you will get this, but difficulties shall you meet with, and nights without sleep in seeking this. And if you cannot obtain these that I have spoken for, neither shall you obtain my daughter. Kilmick then replied with his head held high, Horses shall I have, and my lord and kinsman Arthur will obtain for me all these things, and I shall gain your daughter. Pencor then said, Go forward, and you shall not be charged for food or raiment for my daughter while you are seeking these things. And when you have completed all these marvels, you shall have my daughter for your wife. All that day, Kilwick and the knights of King Arthur journeyed until the evening, and at the end of the hard day's travel, they beheld a vast castle, which was the largest in the world. And lo, a black man, larger than three of the men of this world, came out from the castle. And they spoke to this man, From where do you come from, good man? From the castle which you see yonder. And whose castle is that? asked they. Stupid are you truly, O men? There is no one in the world that does not know to whom this castle belongs. This is the castle of Quirnach the giant. Now, the men needed the sword of Quirnach the giant to kill the mighty boar as stipulated by Yspadaden Pencor. They were also warned by the giant that Quirnach shall not part with his sword willingly. Nevertheless, this was the men's opportunity to enter the lair of the giant. Relieved, then Sir Kai replied to the porter, What treatment is there for guests and strangers that alight in that castle? Oh, chieftain, heaven protect thee. No guest ever returned thence alive, and no one may enter therein unless he brings with him his craft. Upon hearing this, the men proceeded towards the gate. Upon reaching the gate, then shouted the knight Birmer, Is there a porter? There is, came the reply. And you, if your tongue be not mute in your head, where do you call from? Open the gate, replied Quirhill. I will not open it, said the porter. 
Why will you not open it? Asked Queerhair. The knife is in the meat, and the drink is in the horn, and there is revelry in the hall of Quernak the giant, and except for a craftsman who brings his craft, the gate will not be opened tonight. Verily, Porter, then said Sir Kai, my craft I bring with me. What is thy craft? The best burnisher of swords am I in the world, said Kai. I will go and tell this unto Quirnach the giant, and I will bring you an answer. So the porter went in, and Quirnach said to him, have you any news from the gate? I have. There is a party at the door of the gate who desire to come in. Did you inquire of them if they possessed any art? I did inquire, and one told me he was well skilled in the burnishing of swords. We have need for him then, then said Gwernak the giant. For some time have I sought for someone to polish my sword, and I could find no one. Let this man enter, since he brings with him his craft. The porter thereupon returned and opened the gate, and Kai went in by himself, and he saluted Quirnak the giant, and a chair was placed for him opposite to Quirnak, and Quirnak then said to him, O oh man, is it true that is reported of you, that you know how to burnish swords? I know full well how to do so, answered Kai. Then was the sword of Quernak brought to him, and Kai took a blue whetstone from under his arm and asked the giant whether he would have it burnished white or blue. Do with it as it seems good to you, and as you would if the sword were your own. Then Kai polished one half of the blade and put it in his hand. Will this please you? asked he. I would rather this than all that is in my dominions, replied Quernak the giant. It is a marvel to me and a shame that such a man as you should be without an apprentice. O oh, noble sir, I have a companion, albeit he is not yet skilled in this art. Who may he be? Then said Quernak the giant. Let the porter go forth and bring your companion with him. Then the gate was opened and Bedwer entered. And Kai then said, Bedwer is very skilled, although he knows not this art. The sword meanwhile was now polished, and Kai gave it to the hand of Quernak the giant to see if he were pleased with his work. And the giant then said, The work is good, I am content therein. Then said Sir Kai, It is your scabbard that has rusted your sword. Give it to me that I may take out the wooden sides of it and put in new ones. 
Saying this, Sir Kai took the scabbard from the giant in one hand and the sword in the other. And he came over and stood against the giant as he would have to put the sword into the scabbard. But to the shock of all who were there in the court, it is with the very sword that Sir Kai struck at the head of Quirnak the giant and cut off his head in one blow. Then they despoiled the castle and took from it whatever goods and jewels they would. Eventually, the knights made their way to King Arthur's court, bearing with them the sword of Quirnak the giant, having thus completed one of the many assigned tasks. Now when they told Arthur how they had fared, Arthur said, Which of these marvels will it be best for us to seek next? It will be best, said they, to seek Mabon, the son of Modron, and he will not be found unless we find Adwell, the son of Er, his kinsman. Then Arthur rose up, and the warriors of the islands of Britain with him, to seek for Adwell, and they proceeded until they came before the castle of Glevi, where Adwell was imprisoned. Glevi stood on the summit of his castle and said, Arthur! What do you require of me, since nothing remains to me in this fortress, and I have neither joy nor pleasure in it? There is no wheat, nor is there any oats. Seek not, therefore, to do me harm. To this said Arthur, Not to injure you have I come, but to seek for the prisoner that is with you. I will give you my prisoner, then replied Cleve, though I had not thought to give him up to anyone. And so, let it be known that you have my support and my aid. Saying this, Cleve freed Adwell, handing over the man to King Arthur's retinue. Now the knights of Sir Arthur then said to the king, Lord, you go home, you cannot proceed with your host in quest of such small adventures as this. Then said Arthur, It is well for you, Quirhir, to go upon this quest, for you know all languages and are familiar with those of the birds and the beasts. You, Adwell, ought likewise to go with my men in search for your cousin. And as for you, Kai and Bedwer, I have hope of whatever adventure you are in quest of, that you will achieve. Achieve you this adventure for me. And so, King Arthur left the men to fulfill the quest while he headed back to his castle. The remaining knights went forward until they were met with the Alzo, the bird. And Gwirhir, who could speak the language of the birds, then said, Tell me, dear bird, if you know of Mabon, the son of Modron, 
who was taken when he was three nights old from between his mother and that wall. Now Mabon was essential to the quest as his name was requested for hunting the boar. It was to find him and convince Mabon to join them, after all, that King Arthur had to let Glevi free Aidwell. And so, to the question posed by Sir Gwerhir, the Alzel answered, When I first came here, there was a smith's anvil in this place, and I was then only a young bird, and from that time no work has been done upon that anvil, save the pecking of my beak every evening. And now there is not so much as the size of a nut remaining there. Yet the vengeance of heaven be upon me, if during all that time I have ever heard of the man of whom you inquire. Nevertheless, I will do that which is right, and that which is fitting that I should do for an embassy from the great king Arthur. There is a race of animals who were formed before me, and I will be your guide to them. That then is the end of this episode on the second part of the tale of Kilwick and Alwyn. Tune in again next week to hear the conclusion of this wondrous story. In the meantime, please subscribe to the podcast and leave a rating and a feedback. We are quite active on Twitter and Instagram, so why not connect with us by using the handle at storiesTHT. MVEUS for both Twitter and Instagram. You may also email us at info.storiesthatmadeus at gmail.com. I'll see you again next week. Until then, goodbye.